Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 5. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. It's an awesome gift that is wonderful to receive a little harder to give, and that is mercy. I remember some time ago, I read a poster that was posted by a covenant of nuns, and it read, no trespassing allowed, violators will be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. The interesting thing about the poster, it was signed, the Sisters of Mercy. (laughs) A characteristic of God is our God, and maybe you'll agree, our God is a God of mercy. Am I right about it? And I'm waiting while you clap your hands. That's okay. You ought to be glad about that. God is a God of mercy toward the helpless. You'll find the word mercy in your Bibles approximately 300 times. Think about that. That should tell us a lot about what God thinks and the priority in God's economy as it relates to mercy. Here in John chapter 5, we see a beautiful picture of mercy. In John 5, Jesus comes to a man at the pool of Bethesda. Bethesda, you have a pen? It means mercy, the house of mercy. But as you read through John 5, it doesn't sound like a merciful place because of what's going on. It doesn't sound like a merciful place. It sounds like a hangout of misery, not a house of mercy. You'll see what I mean in just a second. I've titled this sermon, The Omnipotent Meets the Impotent. John chapter 5, saints, we pick up in verse 1, and we will read right down to verse 15 and come back and have some comments. If you're looking at verse 1, say amen. Amen. Verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having how many porches? Five. In these lay a great multitude of sick folk, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water, and then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had." Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity of how many years, saints? And when, he, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made whole? The sick man answered, sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, come on, read it with me. Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked, and that was on the Sabbath. 
The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it's the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he answered them, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. And they asked him, who is the one who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him, the healed man, in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. What Jesus tell him, saints? Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. And the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Jesus is in Jerusalem again because there is a feast in Jerusalem. We don't know what the feast was. Uh, definitely one of the three major feasts, possibly Passover, Pentecost, or Purim. Uh, we're not sure. The Bible tells us Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now listen, no matter where you are in Israel, you always go up to Jerusalem. Even if you're going south in Jerusalem, in Israel, you're going up to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is always referred to as up. And I think because uh, Jerusalem is called the city of the great king, the king is up. So you always refer to Jerusalem, the Bible always refers to Jerusalem as up, no matter where you are. And notice Jesus enters Jerusalem, the Bible tells us in verse 2, by the sheep gate. The sheep gate is extremely important to the Christian. The sheep gate is located today at the northern wall, close to the northeast corner. It's called the sheep gate because this was a gate that sheep and lambs were brought through to be sacrificed in the temple. Keep in mind, the Lamb of God passed through this gate the day that he was sacrificed. Uh, if you've traveled to Israel with us, uh, you know this sheep gate. I've taken you there. Are you listening? I've taken you there and shown you uh, this gate. The sheep gate is also called the lion's gate. You might want to write that down because Suleiman had a dream and he carved two lions at the entrance of the gate. The sheep gate is also called St. Stephen's gate because many believe that it was where St. Stephen was stoned. The sheep gate is also um, a really good study if you want to kind of study the sheep gate and parallel it to the Christian life. It really is really fascinating. If you want some homework, you could do that. It's a really good study. So as you enter through the Sheep Gate, you would come to uh, St. Anne's Cathedral. St. Anne's Cathedral was built in the 11th century. Uh, St. Anne's Cathedral is perfect. People come from, look at me, give me your attention. People come from around the world to go to St. Anne's Cathedral. Um, it is perfect acoustically. People come from around the world to go to St. Anne's Cathedral to sing a song. Because when you go in there, and each of the tours that I've taken, I've been there 10 times, 11 times. Each time, I love going there. Each time you go in, uh, there's always tour groups there because everybody wants to go into St. Anne's Cathedral because you go in and, and, and the acoustics are amazing. So we would go in, you know that song, sing hallelujah to the Lord. And the ladies go, sing hallelujah. You know that? Y'all like, that was my lady voice. Sing hallelujah. The, the echo part. And then, and then when you sing it, it's like the, 
the building sings. Because when you finish like, to the Lord, the building goes, Lord. It's like unbelievable. People come from around the world to go to St. Anne's Cathedral. It's staggering, the sound uh, in that uh, cathedral. So outside of St. Anne's Cathedral is the Pool of Bethesda. Bethesda, again, means mercy or house of mercy or house of outpouring. Uh, you can go there today and see the remnant of the pool. Uh, we've been there on our trips to Israel. The pool of Bethesda is, lar- is a large rectangular pool, two feet by three feet deep. Uh, it was used to originally wash animals, specifically sheep, before going to the temple. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 tells us there was a great multitude of sick folk at the pool. One commentary said uh, on any given day, there would be approximately 300 people laying around the pool. But during the feast times, there were people coming from everywhere. So there would be as many as 3,000 people hanging around the pool. Now, I want you to get the scene here. Around this pool is the site of wasting away humanity. Think of the smell that comes with this type of scene, the animals the people who are sick, blind, lame, paralyzed, diseased. All kinds of disabilities are lying around this pool. This is the scene that Jesus steps into and is walking around looking at this pretty hopeless scene for all these people. And the reason all these people are gathered at the pool is, look at verse 4, is because they are waiting for the moving of the water or for the stirring of the water. Eventually there was, or evidently there was a, a uh, subterranean spring that bubbled up and caused movement of the water. And so legend then began that a certain, at a certain time, an angel would come down from God and cause the water to ripple, and you needed to get in quick. And the first person in the water, while the water was stirring, would be instantly healed. So imagine something like trying to get to the front of a parade, People are vying. Are you getting that? I'm trying to help you understand. Uh, People are vying for the front of the curb and jockeying for the front of the curb, the edge of the curb, and people are getting in front of them like, hey, get back and get back. And no, I'm going to get back. And, you you know, people are trying to get up front. Well, here in our text, people are trying to get up front or get to the edge of the pool, like trying to get to the front of the curb. Now, in King Jimmy, I don't know, if you're reading King James, verse 4 tells us that around this pool are impotent folk. Who's reading King James? Who's reading King James? Does it say impotent? It says impotent folk, doesn't it? Impotent, blind, halt, and withered. If you're reading the new King James, it says a multitude of sick people. The word impotent is a good word and is actually the right word. You might want to write this down. It means powerless, without strength to help yourself. Impotent, powerless, without strength to help yourself. These people are hopeless and helpless and powerless to get in the water. The blind were brought and left in odds pretty slim that they'd get in because they wouldn't see the water stirred. The deaf hoped to be watching at just the right time that the waters were stirring because they weren't able to hear the rush of the pool. The lame had to rely on a friend to lift them up and drop them in. The sick hoped they just feel good enough to get in when the waters were stirring. So for everyone, listen, guys, 
The odds were pretty slim that they would be in the water at just the right time. Jesus walks among this group. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 tells us that Jesus saw him. You see that word saw? The word see, let me have your attention. This is Christianity 101. You must know this. This word see is a very common New Testament Greek word. And it is the Greek word Ido. Write it down. Write it in your margins. E-Y-D-O. Ido. Ido means to look. It actually carries with it the idea of perceiving something beyond what you see. In other words, you're seeing something and understanding more than what you're seeing. Are y'all with me? Y'all need coffee? You're seeing something and understanding more than what you see. And that's why Jesus saw him lying there. And notice in verse 6, and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time. Jesus saw him and knew that he had been in that condition for 38 years. So in this sea of desperate, disabled, diseased people, Jesus' eyes looks around and surveys the massive suffering needy, hopeless humanity. And then Jesus' eyes rest, did you get this, on one man. And he knows something about him. And then Jesus walks up to him and says, do you want to be made well? Jesus knew this man had been laying here for 38 years, 456 consecutive months of waiting, 13,680 days of getting beat to the water, 38 years of waiting by the pool. This man now looked like a pool fixture. This man had been lying there sick 38 years. Now listen, there is a medical condition in the medical community, and if you're a doctor, you know this, called neurosemia. Neurosemia is a condition of the brain. The brain is unable to communicate with the limbs to allow them to function, and then the limbs would atrophy because there's a neurological problem. Sir Isaac Newton, first law of motion states, Everything continues in a state of rest until it is compelled to change by forces impressed upon it. Well, listen, Jesus, by his omnipotent power, is going to impress change upon this man and heal him miraculously. Now, why did Jesus, question, why did Jesus heal this one man? Why this one man? I don't know. Wasn't that deep? Profound. I don't know. It could be that Jesus met someone who asked him for a favor. It could be Jesus knew this man was lying there for 38 years, and Jesus simply, as he always does, has compassion on him. Somebody say amen. We all know one of the striking things about the ministry of Jesus is compassion. Memory verse, Lamentations 3, 22 through 24. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions, anybody know, fails not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. For compassion, Jesus chooses to go to the pool. He didn't have to. Jesus knew what he was doing. He knew where he was going. He knew he was going to the pool the same way he went to Samaria to find a woman. Were you with me in chapter 4? The same way he went to the woman in Samaria, he knew where he was going. The same way that he went 
to sign-seeking, prophet-rejecting Galilee to find a kingly official with a sick son. Jesus is always moves and always moves toward need, not comfort. Jesus moves toward the brokenhearted sinners, not self-righteous. Jesus said, do you want to be made whole? And keep in mind, the man, listen, the man did not ask to be healed. Which that's a whole sermon in and of itself. For all the folk that say, oh, well, you need to believe it, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. You need to be by faith. You won't be healed unless you have faith. You got to add the fire on there where it's not meaningful. This man didn't ask for healing. This man didn't even know who Jesus was. Did y'all get that? Jesus wasn't wearing a name badge. He wasn't where carrying a sign like they do at the airport. You know, when you come off the escalator and the people are picking you up, they got the sign right there and it's like Jesus. The man didn't know who Jesus was. Jesus asked this invalid for 38 years. He says, do you want to be made whole? Now, what kind of question is that to ask a man who has been lame for 38 years? Jesus asked the same question on three other occasions. In the interest of time, just let me give you the verses and you go look them up in yourself, okay? Matthew chapter 20, verse 21, go look that up on your own. Again, Jesus asked the same kind of question three other times in the gospel. Matthew 20, 21, Luke 18, 42, and John chapter 1, verse 38. Matthew 20, 21, Luke 18, 42, John 1, 38, and here in our text, Jesus says to the man, do you want to be made well? Seems like an odd question, but we know Jesus never asks a question for no reason. So when Jesus asks a question, it's important for this man to answer. If for no other reason for this man to answer the question for himself, do you really want to be made well? Jesus wants, listen, look at me. Jesus wants the man to hear his own answer. You ever ask somebody a question, you know, somebody asks you something, and, you say, and they, they say something to you, and you go, you know what? Stop right there. I want you to repeat that same question, but this time listen to yourself and listen how crazy you sound. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I'm going to try it again. Y'all don't hear me. Let me try it again. You ever ask somebody, and they say, it's like how crazy you sound to ask that. Jesus wants the man to answer his own. Do you want to be made well? It's entirely possible that this guy does not want to really be changed. Think about it. For this man to change means he has to give up some things. For 38 years, he's been a beggar. For 38 years, this man has lived off the pity of others. For 38 years, this man probably made a decent living. I was reading this study, and it was talking about panhandlers. Y'all know what a panhandler is? They panhandlers, that's an old word, isn't it? But they call them panhandlers because they handle a pan. And they hold out a pan and ask you for money. You know, the guys like out there on South Point, they be like out there. I bet you those guys got all kind of money. Every time I drive up, I think, you know what? You probably got all kind of money. You just trying to look poor. You got more money than me. You need to give me some money. I'm put my hand out the window. <laughs> my people laugh. You ever thought about that? Things that make you go, hmm, put my hand out the window. I'm going to put my, that, 
You give me some money. I was reading this one thing, and it was saying that these guys, these panhandlers, they make like 50 to 100 bucks a day. Just stand, look, that's good money, y'all. I don't care which, which way you dice it, get into, slice it, I don't know. But that's a lot of money. A hundred bucks, all you doing is stand there doing this? And it, and it said that if you have a baby and a woman, that she makes like a hundred to two hundred dollars a day. So she makes more. That is a lot of money per day. I'm in the wrong job. I could be doing nothing and getting two hundred bucks a day. So it could be this man doesn't want to change. If he's healed, he'll have to live on his own. If he's healed, he'll have to be responsible for himself. It would be like a person who's used to welfare. Huh? But now they got to get a job. Listen, to be healed meant to uh, enter an entirely new life. I heard this story about a man who didn't want to be drafted, so to avoid the draft, he pulled all his teeth out of his mouth to make himself unfit for military duty. And when he took the physical, he was declared unfit for duty because he had flat feet. <laughs> you idiot. I had a V8. <laughs> it's like, what? The man in our story had to learn to live like this. He wasn't seeking God or calling out to God. So Jesus asked the question, do you want to be made well? Jesus didn't say, do you have the willpower to be made well? Jesus didn't say, do you have the capability? But do you have a desire? Do you want to? In my 25 years of ministry, I've seen a lot of crippled people by one thing or another. And I've seen a lot of people who have spiritual neurosemia. And they're bound in troubles and struggles. And Jesus is asking you today, do you want to be made well? That might seem like an unnecessary, even ridiculous question, but it's relevant for the man and it's relevant for us today. Look at verse 7. Jesus said, do you want to be made well? And the man says, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when it is stirred. He didn't even answer Jesus' question. And Jesus would have said to me, do you want to be made well? I'm Absolutely. Oh, no, and there's nobody to put me in the water. You know, I've been trying to get down there, and somebody knocks me over and gets there before me. Can't get a break. Jesus asks no more questions. In response to this man's story, Jesus says, look at verse 8. Get up, take up your bed, and walk. Now, listen, if you don't learn anything from this story, you can learn this. This man's healing has nothing to do with, listen, I repeat, has nothing to do with religion. Can you say a better amen than that? This man's healing has nothing to do with his faithfulness. This man is not faithful. He's not anything. He's not a believer. He doesn't know who Jesus is. Nothing. This man's healing is simply because of compassion and mercy. It's simply because this situation was so miserable for so long that Jesus has compassion on the man. It's not, I repeat, not the man's faith or righteousness that brought about this healing, but compassion. Somebody once said, pity weeps and walks away. Compassion comes to help and stay. Jesus is compassionate. Can you say amen? I think of, can you clap your hands? How about that? You ought to be happy about it. I think about the woman who was bent over for 18 years. Didn't we talk about this last week? The woman who was bent over for 18 years, and Jesus touched 
uh, the woman in the ligaments that never worked are working. Bones that never formed are strengthened. Muscles that were atrophied are worn away and, and, and strong. Nerves are instantly put in place. No rehab, complete healing. I think of Acts chapter 3, post-Pentecost. Peter and John are on the way to the temple for prayer. There's a lame man sitting there at the gate called Beautiful. Y'all know the story? He's sitting there at the gate called Beautiful, and this man is over 40 years old, and he's born with a birth defect, lame all of his life. He's laying at the gate on the east side of the temple, and he's saying, alms for the poor, alms for the poor. And Peter, the Bible says, listen, Peter walks up to the man, the Bible says, and took him by his right hand. And pulled him up and he said, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And the Bible says that man got up. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.